I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak this morning. And uh, our scripture is Psalm 23, and it's on page 458 if you have the Pew Bible in your hand. If not, turn to the middle of your Bible and go left or right, and you'll find it. Psalm 23. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You can be seated. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts would be acceptable in Your sight. O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. And help me to speak clearly and help us to understand more of Your Word and uh, how it applies to our lives. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Psalm 23 is probably one of the best-known texts in the Old Testament, probably the best-known. A lot of you may know it by heart. I know when um, my dad was very ill, uh, he was in the hospital, and I went to visit him, and uh, he could barely communicate. Um, but his hearing was still still there, and uh, I began to quote Psalm 23 to him. And I was so surprised when he started to repeat it along with me. He could barely barely speak or communicate, but he knew that so well, and it was so much a part of his uh, his uh, his background and his uh, his mental ability that he just began to quote it with me. And it is a psalm that's very often used uh, in comforting those who may be very ill or those who have lost a loved one, Uh, especially that part that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It it is comforting but in illness, but it's really much more about the abundant life that we have in Christ than it is about suffering and death. It tells of God's wonderful provision for all that we need. You know, people are often figuratively spoken of as animals, sometimes in a positive light, but often in a negative light. He's a snake. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. He's blind as a bat or wise as an owl. And my all-time favorite is float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. 
In this psalm, David speaks of himself as a sheep and God as his caring and protective shepherd. And that's certainly the most prominent and well-known image in this psalm. But David also uses another image in this psalm, and, and that's the image of God as a gracious host uh, and himself as a guest of that host. And we want to look at that as well. So first we'll look at the Lord is my shepherd, and then the Lord is my host. Throughout Scripture, God often speaks of his people as sheep and of himself as a shepherd. For example, in Psalm 100, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray. And in John 10, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. There aren't many sheep farms around Georgetown, uh, but in the Middle East, in Bible times, uh, shepherding was a very common way of life. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons of Jacob, Moses, the prophet Amos, all of these men were keepers of sheep and familiar with the life of a shepherd. David wrote Psalm 23 about 1000 BC, and although he eventually became the second king of Israel, he grew up looking after his family's sheep in and around Bethlehem. Uh, and so he knew what the life of a shepherd was like. And he knew that sheep are defenseless, helpless creatures. They can't fight off a predator. They can only run away. They're not the brightest of animals. And they're prone to wander off, get themselves into trouble. They get sick and they need medicine. And they get injured and need healing. And in all of these things, they desperately need a shepherd. David knew about the shepherd's uh, deep connection to his flock. Throughout the year, he would move his sheep from the lowlands to the highlands and back down again here and there to find good pasture. He'd stay with the sheep 24 hours a day to provide protection and care. When they were sick or injured, he was the vet who nursed them back to health. The shepherd was a constant companion of the sheep, uh, so they knew their shepherd. And they recognized his voice, and they followed him wherever he would lead them. This, this very, very personal psalm speaks of God as a shepherd. In other parts of Scripture, David writes of God and speaks of God as his rock or his fortress or his strong tower. And these are all very strong and protective images, but they're not very personal. But a shepherd, on the other hand, is a very personal image. He's attached to his flock in a very intimate and organic way. As a shepherd, David knew his sheep, and his sheep knew him. And as a sheep, David knew his shepherd. So who was David speaking of when he spoke of the Lord, who was his shepherd? Well, when you see Lord in all capital letters, as you do here, it refers to the name Yahweh, the Hebrew name which, by which God identified himself to his people. Yahweh comes from the Hebrew word meaning I am. So it had the idea of the one who exists or the self-existent God. 
He's the creator of the cosmos with its trillions of stars and planets and the earth and everything in it, including human life. And yet as awesome and infinitely powerful he is, yet like a shepherd with his sheep, he cares deeply for us and provides all that we need, both for our physical existence and for our spiritual lives. The Bible makes it clear that Yahweh, the Lord, is a triune God. And he has revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Spirit who lives in those who belong to him. And he is God who became man in Jesus Christ. He's not just a shepherd. He is not just the shepherd, but he is my shepherd. Not just the shepherd collectively of all who trust in him, but he is my shepherd personally. David was able to say that because he had put his trust in Yahweh and he knew God personally. All those who put their trust in God through faith in Jesus and who know God personally as their shepherd have this experience of God as my shepherd. Jesus spoke of himself as the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And he spoke of his personal connection with his followers. The sheep hear his voice, Jesus said, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I'm the good shepherd, and I know my own, and they know me. There's a very personal and intimate connection uh, between sheep and a shepherd and between us and our God. It's not distant or formal. When he speaks, we recognize his voice. When he leads, we follow him. And he knows us, and we know him. In the scriptures, there's another way that God speaks of himself in this personal relationship, and it's that of a father with his children. In, uh, if we belong to Christ, God has poured his spirit into our hearts, and we're thereby adopted into his family as his children. In Romans 8, it says, You receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the presence of God's Spirit in our lives is what persuades us, convinces us, and tells us that we are his children and that we belong to him. What a gracious gift God has given to us. We are the flock of God. We are the children of God. The Lord is my shepherd and the Lord is my father. A competent and caring shepherd will provide his flock with food, water, protection, medical care, everything they need. In another Bible translation, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And it's God who provides us with both the necessities of physical life and all that is needed for spiritual life and health. In Matthew 6.33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, all the things that we need, will be yours as well. And in 2 Peter 1.3, he speaks of the eternal and spiritual things that we need. 
his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The psalm goes on to say, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I don't know about you, but when I think of Psalm 23, the image that comes into my mind is a lush green pasture with sheep lying there, a bubbling brook running by and taking a drink out of that every once in a while. And there are places like that in Israel, but it's not the norm. Over 70% of Israel is desert. And uh, there are times in the year when there is enough uh, rain to produce lush green pastures, but it's not that way all year long. We took a bus tour uh, of Israel and Jordan some years ago. We were near the Dead Sea and looking out at the barren landscape. It was just brown. There was almost nothing green. And then up the road came a flock of sheep and the shepherds with them. And I thought, where do they go to find pasture? But those shepherds were so committed to those sheep that they were going to find pasture for them. And the sheep looked healthy. They must have found pasture. When David wrote about sheep feeding in green pastures, I, I believe he was thinking about feeding on God's word. Because God's word is often compared to food, and it's what we need for our sustenance. Psalm 19 says God's word is sweeter than honey. And when Jesus fought off Satan's temptation, he quoted Deuteronomy and said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. One author wrote, When our body needs energy, we eat food. But when our souls need hope, what do we feed it? We feed it God's promises. As we digest God's promises by faith, God gives us hope for the future. He gives us confidence that he has good things in store for us. Feeding on God's promises gives us hope. When we feed on God's word, we hear the voice of the shepherd, and he meets with us. Now, we use figurative language to describe this experience, but it's not an imaginary experience. It's not a flight of poetic fancy that we hear God's voice. God really is present with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he really does speak through his word to our heart. In the coming year, I, I'd like us to commit ourselves to following our shepherd into those green pastures and feeding richly on God's life-giving word. Feast on his precious and very great promises. If you found it difficult to read the Bible, to continue reading the Bible, here are a couple of ideas. First, get somebody, uh, a friend or someone in your family, to join you in your quest to read the Bible. Make an agreement to share something with that person once, once a week or once every couple of weeks. It's, scripture says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. If either of them falls down, the other will lift them up so that other person can help you. The little kindergarten kids have a reading buddy, one of the older kids that will come to their class and, and read with them. And we need a reading buddy too sometimes. You can pick out a reading plan 
There are three different plans available, printed up uh, in the foyer, over by the books on the far side. And you can read through the entire Bible in 2019 in just 12 minutes a day by reading it out loud. And if you're a fast reader, it would even take less than that. So there's, and there's various ways you can do that. And one, there are a lot of good resources available online. One of the things I'd like to encourage you to consider is look at a, a site called The Bible Project. They have a whole series of animated, really cool animated videos that you can watch that will describe each book of the Bible, what it's about, and give you an idea of the overview of it and various themes of the Bible. And... Uh, so that, you know, when you're reading through Leviticus or Numbers or Revelation, you have a clue about what is this talking about? It'll help you get an overview of it and understanding of it before you dig into it. But however you choose to get into the Bible, remember that you're not just reading great literature, but you're hearing God's voice and you're meeting with the living God. The uh, psalm goes on to say, he restores my soul. <clears throat> sometimes when a heavily pregnant sheep or a sheep where the fleece has grown out really too far, when he lies down, it can be difficult for them to get back up, especially if there's a dip in the ground. And they can actually roll over like a turtle on their back with their feet straight up, and they cannot get up. If the shepherd doesn't see them, they're a sitting duck for a predator or uh, they may get dehydrated and die. The stomach begins to bloat, the circulation's cut off, and this is called a cast sheep. Cast sheep <clears throat> is not a sheep that just got a part in a Disney movie. A cast sheep is lying on his back and can't get up. Shepherds have to be aware of this and, and watch out for it. When they find a cast sheep that needs to get up to its feet, they lift it up, and they hold it up, upright. They'll rub its legs to restore the circulation until it can navigate on its own. <clears throat> and this is the idea, I, I think, that David says of the shepherd. He restores my soul. The word restores is the same verb as comes up in Psalm 19, where it says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting or reviving my soul. Like the cast sheep that can't get up on its own, there are times when we, like sheep, are down and can't get up. And we can feel really helpless. Sometimes it's deep discouragement. As the psalmist in Psalm 42 said, my soul is cast down within me. I don't know about you, but I've been there many times. And some of you have too, and... Maybe some of you are there right now. And you need to be restored. You need the, the good shepherd to come alongside you and lift you up. Psalm 42, which I quoted, goes on to speak of the remedy. It says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And that takes us back to the scripture again because hope comes from taking in and digesting God's promises. 
The Psalms are especially good for this because the writers of the Psalms, they went through the same kind of turmoil that we go through. They had the same experiences we do and they wrote openly about them. And they wrote about how they called out to God and how they found their help in the God who restores. Psalm 42 and 43 have been my go-to psalms many times, and there are many others that will encourage your heart. Sometimes it's because of sin that we're cast down. Sin can get the upper hand. In Psalm 31.10, my strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I've been there, and I'm sure you have too. But God can restore us through repentance. Repentance happens when we're convinced that we've offended God with our attitude, our words, or our action, and we have a change of heart about it. We agree with God that it's wrong. That's what confession means, to agree with God. Sometimes it involves making restitution or confessing to someone that we've, that we've harmed. I remember... Um, a long time ago before I moved to Ontario, I lived in Nova Scotia for a while and uh, somebody sold me a car and, uh, you know, just a private transaction. You have to go in and pay sales tax on it. Well, I didn't want to pay that much sales tax. So I told them I bought it for 2000 when it was really three. I forget the number. Um, and so I cheated on my tax. And years later, after I'd become a Christian, my conscience told me, hey, you cheated on your tax. So I had to write to the government of uh, Nova Scotia and tell them, look, um, I didn't claim the proper amount. Here's the rest of the money. And that cleared my conscience. And God restored my soul by having a clear conscience. God is able to and willing to restore us to fellowship with him and to, restore, and, and to restore peace and joy to our lives. The text goes on to say, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. A shepherd has to move his sheep depending on the season. In spring and summer, the flocks are typically moved up into higher country and then back down uh, in the fall. In the Judean wilderness, there are many steep ravines cut into the hills by erosion. And David maybe was thinking of that, that he would lead his sheep through these valleys that are created to get to the mountain pastures and back down again. The steep surrounding hills and trees would make it dark. And it's interesting that that phrase, the valley of the shadow of death, can also be translated the valley of the shadow of deep darkness. There was danger for the sheep there. They, there could be predators. There were steep inclines they could fall down. But under the shepherd's watchful eye, the sheep were safe. Sometimes the paths of righteousness that God is leading us in, those right paths that we follow, lead through some very difficult places. But we do not need to fear because he's with us. 
And when he leads us, it's for his name's sake. God's blessings are certainly for us and for our good, but they are ultimately and primarily to bring blessing and glory to him because life is all about him, not about us. So his leading us in right paths is for his name's sake. Goes on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A Shepherd looks at the 23rd Psalm as a book that was written by a man by the name of Philip Keller. He grew up in East Africa and he had occasion to watch young shepherd boys tending their sheep. Then when he moved to Canada, lived in BC uh, for about eight years, he raised sheep. And um, here's what he says about his experience with the flock and the presence of the shepherd. I came to realize that nothing so quieted and reassured the sheep as to see me in the field. The presence of their master and owner and protector put them at ease as nothing else could do. And in the Christian's life, there's no substitute for the keen awareness that my shepherd is nearby. So the shepherd's presence comforted the sheep. Not only was the shepherd there, but he carried a rod and a staff. The rod was a defensive weapon carried by the shepherd. It could be thrown or used like a club. You know, think of a baseball bat. He could whip it around and fling it, and it was a pretty powerful projectile. Or he could use it to beat off a predator. This protection that the shepherd provided was uh, reassuring to the sheep. The other thing the shepherd carried was a staff. A shepherd's staff was a long, slender stick, usually with a crook at one end, and he would use it to guide and direct the sheep. It's not a weapon, but a tool to manage the sheep by nudging them where the shepherd wanted them to go. David was saying something profound about God's protection and direction and guidance for the Christian. As Christians, we can have the confidence that God will not let anything touch us that will do us ultimate harm. Oh, we will suffer. We do. We're not exempt from that in any way. But the suffering is tempered by the gospel truth. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. We need to believe that promise. As we move into a new year, there'll be things that are perplexing, difficult, frightening, discouraging. You may be wondering how you'll make it for another day, let alone another year. But remember that your shepherd is with you and that he has the power to protect you and the skill to guide you. So... We're going to leave the sheep on the hillside and we're going to talk about the Lord as my host. 
the human author David and the divine author the Holy Spirit are painting another picture here and it's another picture about God's relationship with man he's no longer a sheep in the shepherd's flock but he is a guest at the home of his benefactor in verse 5 and 6 God is portrayed as a gracious and generous host or as a benevolent king we're his friends and his subjects and we are invited to his home as guests he says you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and in those days kings and other rulers would host people in their palace or in their home for example when David was king he hosted the son of his best friend Jonathan and Mephibosheth ate at his table every day and Nehemiah when he set up shop in Jerusalem he had 150 people coming to his table every day he speaks of this table being in the presence of his enemies it could be that those enemies were defeated enemies who were present at as guests similar to the way one of the kings of Judah who had been captured and taken to Babylon was freed by the king of Babylon and was allowed to eat with the king at his table in any case David didn't feel threatened by the presence of his enemies and we don't need to fear our enemies either even though they are nearby our greatest enemies are the devil the corrupt world system that we live in and and our sinful flesh but God has provided us provided us with all the protection that we need the armor of God the belt of truth the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness the gospel of peace the sword of the spirit the shield of faith and his indwelling spirit who leads us in battle against the indwelling sin that would hold us down goes on to say you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows this anointing with oil was a custom where a, a host would put perfumed oil on the head of an honored guest before bringing him into the banquet hall and the overflowing cup tells us that there was plenty to go around the host makes sure that his guests are looked after and well fed like the image of the shepherd that cares for his sheep god as a generous host provides all that we need not just barely enough to survive but in abundance and if this is true in the material realm how much more true is it spiritually he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also with him graciously give us all things if god made the ultimate sacrifice and paid the price of his only son will he not preserve us and keep us in the love of christ he absolutely will we are secure in christ you may be thinking that god hasn't invited you as his guest for a great banquet maybe you think he wouldn't even want me there waiting on tables but that's where you're wrong we he has sent out his invitation to all people everywhere everybody who wants to come can be at God's table. Listen to these invitations from scripture. Come, 
All who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Or this one, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. The invitation to God's banquet is to all people everywhere. There are no exceptions. He finishes up by saying, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Instead of being pursued by enemies, David knows that he will be pursued by God's goodness and by God's mercy. God demonstrates his constant care and his abundant provision, and his mercy is his steadfast love and unfailing kindness toward those who are his. And the house of the Lord refers to the place of worship where God had instructed Moses to meet with him. Later, the temple was called the house of the Lord. It was a special place where God made his presence known to Israel. Dwelling in the house of the Lord is a picture of being in God's presence. And those who experience God's salvation can figuratively dwell in the house of the Lord as they commune with God wherever they are. Today, the Lord makes his presence known in a different way, not in a tent or in a temple, but in human hearts. The New Testament teaches, that, teaches us that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the body of Christ, that is, all believers who are truly his followers, are a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And we will enjoy the presence of God in an even greater way when eventually we're home with him in the new heavens and the new earth. So we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I know that not everyone here today is a follower of Jesus, the good shepherd and the generous host that we've talked about. Jesus said that those who don't belong to him are still sheep, but they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. His heart is to bring you into his flock so that you can know what it is to have him as your shepherd. You need to know that he has done everything that is necessary to make that a reality. His perfect life will be credited to your account and your sin paid for by his sacrificial death. Your part is just to know that you have strayed from the shepherd and you need to return to him. And you need to know that he is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep and to understand that there's nothing that any of us can do to save ourselves. For those who are part of his flock, realize that the Lord your shepherd is looking out for you day and night. He never takes his eye off of us. If you're not feeling like a happy, well-fed sheep, the shepherd can restore you. Come to him in prayer and in faith. Ask him and he'll restore your soul. If you're feeling weak, it may be because you haven't fed enough in the green pastures of God's promises. You might need more time in his word. Ask somebody to help hold you accountable to do that. Make a commitment to get started on reading the Bible this year. 
If your soul needs restoring because of an area of sin that's troubling you, confess it to God and believe his promises of forgiveness. If it's a stubborn and persistent sin, seek out a wise brother or sister and pray. have them pray with you. Confess it to them. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. We really do need one another. Finally, uh, the care and presence of God in the life of his people gives us everything that we need for life now and for life to come. And if you know that the Lord is your shepherd and you know that Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, has laid down his life for you, then you should have every confidence that nothing can ever separate you from the love of Christ. His goodness and mercy will pursue you and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The song that we're going to sing now tells tells us why we can have such confidence. It's because Christ holds us fast. Not that we're strong enough to hold on to him, but because Christ will hold us.